to your feet for the reading of God's word here this morning. I'll begin in Revelation 20, verse 1. And it begins as follows. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and for those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in this first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for a battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain of, of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from the presence of earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them and I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and books were open then another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done and the sea gave up the dead who were in it death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one of them according to what they had done then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. You may now be seated. Now, I want to share with you what I've shared with you probably, um, it's been a while now, but I just shared with you my dispensational beliefs about eschatology. So if you can turn to page four of this of the uh, booklet, I'm going to explain to you what I believed about the end times. Now, we can talk about the end times here today, and we all agree we believe Jesus is coming back. Amen? Amen. Amen. Which means truth. You, you believe Jesus is coming back. Yes. Do we know the day or the time? No. We do not know. But we also know that we need to be ready. Yes. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, so we can agree on those, those three things. We know that in the end, God's going to pan it out no matter what we believe about what our eschatological view may be. But here was my view. 
And I'm going to share it with you. And, and many, many, many of you have, may have this view because you probably watched TBN over and over and over again. Maybe you saw Jack Van Ippie Presents. Maybe you saw Hal Lindsey and all those other things when you were watching TBN. I pray you don't watch TBN no more. But if you're watching TBN, then maybe you had this particular view. But because of where, where we are today and what God has done in our lives, and, and I, I, give, I give a shout out to the, those who served in this country, those who have served and laid down their lives for our freedom, that we are free to worship God here in America, that we are free to preach the word of God boldly out there on the streets so that people may know the truth without somebody trying to gun us down because we are truly blessed because we don't live and preach the message of the, of the glorious gospel of Christ overseas. Now, I want you to get the narrative of this, of this book that man has fallen, God comes to redeem man. Sets up the church and the enemy is now going to try to destroy the church and man to keep them from worshiping God because the enemy wants to be worshipped. And so that's what you have. But you have at the end of the book of Revelation where we are coming, the end of the glorious ending is just like any other movie that you see. That's what we talked about last week about God and God is real and God is the, is the, is the creator of all things order. Art, art, design, everything that you see is God ordained and God has placed it. How about Hollywood movies? Everybody sees movies, there's always a happy ending. There's always something that has to happen tragic in the beginning, but in the end, it always works out. That's the way it is. But that's where you have the book of Revelation. You have this, this, this beginning of the fall of man and then all this, this pattern of destruction throughout the Bible and God coming to vindicate man, God coming to save man. And in the end, we have a glorious ending. It comes from God. The ideas that artists have and filmmakers have, it all comes from God because God's the originator of this very thing. But here's what I used to believe about classic uh, dispensationalism, about the end times. Now, how's the end times going to happen? Are, are many of you uh, enamored by watching the news? If you are, just raise your hand. If you like watching the news and you see what things are happening in the news, you say, you know what? Jesus is coming back. You see something going on, you see something evil happening, and you say, Jesus is coming back. You look at all kind of stuff happening in the news where someone will just walk into a bar and a club and shoot everybody up, and then you say, you know what, Jesus is coming back. Or when someone goes into a church and shoots people up in the church here in America, and you say, the Lord is coming back. But this is the same pattern that has happened since the fall of man. Men kill men. They destroy each other. God needs to save his elect. He sends his son to save his elect and they become redeemed. Then he sends the Holy Spirit to regenerate those who are elected. And so you have the power of the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in our lives. And the Holy Spirit convicts us when we do wrong. The Holy Spirit leads us to do the right thing. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we'd be falling and tripping all over ourselves without the Holy Spirit's conviction. Now we are thankful for what God has done and his plan of redemption. But here's what I used to believe, and this is what I don't believe anymore. I'm going to continue on with these four different views about end times and its theology and its uh, eschatology and how people view it. Now, this I, I don't need to look at that, but you guys can look there if you want. I can just tell you what I used to believe. Now, the belief is this, that throughout the pattern through the Bible, the church is always being under attack, always being under attack. There's martyrs. In every church, you had, you had letters to the, Jesus sending letters to the churches, and in those churches were martyrs, people being killed, people who are witnesses, but in Greek, that word witness can be translated as martyrdom. 
People who are powerful witness for God, they end up being martyred. Martyred is, is being killed for the cause of Christ. So this has happened over and over and over again. So the belief was this. Now, remember, we all agree on those three points. Can I get an amen? We, we agree on those, things, those three things. But the, the belief was this, that somewhere at some point in time that we were going to be raptured up out of here and we would never face any type of persecution. That there would be never some, some tragic event happening in our lives where we would escape it. And that we would be with heaven. We would be in heaven. We would be there with a seven-year tribulation. Well, seven years of all heck on, uh, will break out here on the earth. There will be an antichrist. There will be all type of, 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 of devils running around. Because what happens then is that the belief was this. Was that, that once the church got raptured up out of here, that whatever was up there can no longer hang there no more. So all the demonic spirits... All the forces of evil can no longer be up there. Now they have to come down to earth. So they come down to earth to, 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 to have dominion over all that are left behind. And if you are left behind, have you ever heard someone say, get ready because you're going to be left behind? Anybody ever tell you that? Have you ever heard that? Because they believe that, well, the demons are going to come down to earth. You're going to be left here. The church will be up there. We're going to have some seven-year dinner, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to last seven years. We're going to be up there because we're not going to be here to face any type of church persecution. We're going to escape it because we're going to be up there. We've been raptured out. We've become uh, a super Christian, and we're raptured up out of here. And then when the Lord comes back, like, like, like I explained to you, which I do believe, he comes back on the white horse. We come back to rule and reign and destroy the enemy and everything in it. And then God begins to rule and reign here on the earth for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign for a thousand years here. But these are the points that we used to believe. That because they're two separate people, if a classic dispensationalist, there's Gentiles and then there's Jewish people. God has a certain different plan to save the Jewish people and then he has a different plan to save you. So he has two different people. So he's going to save Israel again, he's going to save Jews, and then he's also going to save you. So you have these two different views on it. But we teach you, of course, you know through the book of Revelation, that Galatians 6 says that we are true Israel. We've been grafted into the family. You being the seed of Abraham are now grafted into the family. Paul's uh, telling Jews and Gentiles to come together because we are one. We are all one. So we are then true Israel. We've been grafted into the family. But before I used to have a two different, there was two different people back then. That's when you follow along in this. And then there's, in this millennial reign, on this millennial reign, but what's going to be reinstituted is the, the animal sacrifice. That there'll be animals that will be reminded of our sin once again as we go to the temple of God to offer animal sacrifices once again. That's another belief of that. But then sooner or later, the enemy will then be released for a season to come back to deceive the nations. Meaning more people, whoever was left, whoever was left, that got left behind, but when God comes back on the white horse and he saves those who are left behind and he takes them up and he raptures them back up to be where, where we are, we already left, remember we're going to be up there, so there's people who are alive, there's women who are pregnant, there are people who are suffering, there are people who actually made it through the tribulation, those people will then so procreate, we here back on, on, on the millennial kingdom, they'll procreate, they'll have kids, they'll multiply, They'll have children uh, born in sin. They need Jesus all over again. Those are the ones that eventually will come against the people of God, meaning you and I who have a glorified body. So you have two different people. You have one, one person who's glorified, has a glorified body. I want you to picture Jesus because Jesus right now has a body. Jesus right now has a glorified body in heaven. He, he, the way he left is the way he is in heaven. He had the scars on his hand. He had the piercing on his side. He had a glorified body. Man, Jesus could walk through walls. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so Jesus is up there, up there now with this body. So you and I will have a body like Jesus. And so 
There's going to be the glorified body. There's going to be the regular people who have bodies just like you on the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign. So you have two different people. And when you have two different people and you have people who are procreating, others who can't procreate, you're going to have a problem. So they're going to multiply. Oppose, and supposedly these are the people that will rise up when Satan is then released to wreak havoc on the church again. These are the ones that will rise up with the enemy and rebel against both you and I. Now, you and I are eternally secure. Someone say, man, if you know you have Jesus and you are saved, then we are eternally secure. We're going to have a glorified body. That means we are part of the first resurrection. That I can tell you. So don't worry about someone snatching us out of, their, out, of the, uh, out of God's hand because we belong to God. We belong to God. That's classic dispensational beliefs. There's other views. Now there's many views, three other views, but there's many teachers who have different views about this millennial reign. Have any of you here have ever heard about the millennial reign? Yeah. Thousand years ruling and reigning here on earth. There's going to be a millennial kingdom. We believe this, some millennial reign. But when is this millennial reign? There's three different views. And they're great teachers that we have on our website. And they all have a different view about this millennial reign. When is it? When is it going to happen? Great teachers. They believe one thing. I believe something else. But they're still my teacher. I still believe in it because it really doesn't matter. Because I like that, that James White approach where he says, it's all going to pan out in the end anyway. Because it really doesn't matter if I'm right or you're wrong. It don't matter. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm going to be with Jesus regardless. And then when I die and I'm up there immediately, my soul is immediately in the inter, inter, it's called the intermediate state. Your, your soul is with Christ that when your body is buried, that one day your body will then meet your soul and unite once again. He said, how, does, how can this happen? There were many people who, were, who died in the sea. There were many people who died in, on, in, on the Titanic. How did they get their body? Sharks must have ate them bodies, ate them bones and all that. How does this happen? We don't question God. He's an infinite God. We have infinite minds. And he, can, he knows all things and how he get our body back is an amazing thing. But it is a promise, I can tell you. So classic dispensationalism, that was the viewpoint. But I'm going to show you another viewpoint. It's called historic premillennialism. Historic premillennialism. Okay, I want you to go down. It's on the same page. I want you to go down here. And it says this. Historic premillennialism is the belief that Christ will return before the millennium in order to resurrect the saints, the first resurrection. So in other words, we believe this belief here is the one that Christ will return before he sets up his millennial kingdom. He will come back on his white horse like I explained to you last week about the Lord wearing this robe and then a banner on his leg that said King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We talked about that. It could be a tattoo, some people say, but I'm telling you, we talked about the tattoo, which was a kind of a funny thing. But it's a banner, it's a long robe, and that's what it had on there. He comes back, and then he sets up his millennial kingdom when he comes back. And then it says this, establish his rule from Jerusalem over the rebellious nations, the battle of Armageddon, and usher in a thousand year period of material peace and prosperity. At the end of this period, the nations still in unresurrected natural bodies will rebel and make war against Christ and the resurrected saints, the battle of Gog and Magog. That is almost the same viewpoint about classic dispensationalism, meaning that you're going to have two different people, a glorified person and one who is in a natural, natural state. And whoever has been saved, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people 
or a lot of women that are probably pregnant at the time, which means there will probably, you'll get these other people who have different nations. So that, that's where you get the different nations from. Like, well, it says in Revelation 6 and Revelation 12 and all these other parts that I taught you about the nations being destroyed. Where do these other nations come from then? This is a good possibility that they come from those who are then raised up at the last minute when the Lord comes back. Let's continue. And it makes war against Christ and the resurrected saints who will be saved by fire from heaven, followed by the second resurrection now of unbelievers and the final judgment. So here's what we want to feature this view here. It says the New Testament era church is the initial initial phase in Christ's return as prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. Okay, go to the very bottom part of that. There's four points at the very bottom. It says Christ will return at the end of the tribulation to rapture the church, resurrect deceased saints, and conduct the judgment of the righteous in the twinkling of the eye. So when you read about this in the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, about the rapturing of the church, this is when we believe that the rapture will happen. Like at the end, at the very end, church has gone through tribulation. It's a pattern from the very beginning. It's a pattern to the very end that the church always goes through, goes through some type of tribulation. So it's always like an impossibility, always an impossibility for me to think like, well, I've always been taught that we're going to escape the tribulation. I've always been taught that we're not going to face any type of persecution. And that felt good. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're right. I, hope, I really do hope they're right. But I really never felt that way. I feel like well, we're probably going to go through some serious persecution too. The, the church did in the beginning, the church did in the middle, and now I think the ending church, which will, there'll definitely be a, a definite rise of the enemy and a rise against the church, that we may face that persecution too. I really feel that. I really feel that. How, why are we so special that we get to escape what the Old Testament uh, apostles and people, of the, people in these churches, they all suffered for the witness of Christ. All of them suffered. And that's one thing that we are promised, that we will suffer as Christians. Now, the other teachings sound good. This is the type of teaching that keeps you quiet. This is the type of teaching that will keep you up and get your hands raised up and say, yeah, glory to God, hallelujah, yes, I'm going to get that house. Yes, I'm going to get that car. Yes, I'm going to get my blessing. Yes, I'm going to get that money. Oh, hallelujah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut my mouth and start speaking blessings. This is the type of sermon that you will hear. But you're getting, what you're getting is the truth here. Why is this as important? Because there are many that have died already. They've died Christless. And guess what happens in the second resurrection? They will then be raised up again to meet their body just to be thrown back into hell because they denied Christ. And it's our job to preach. It's our job to raise our kids to know Christ because this is serious because I'm telling you now there's people that walk around and don't have a relationship with the Lord that will one day face God but the wrath of God has been removed from us we don't have to worry about it but we will face God one day we will stand before the Lord one day second Corinthians we will stand before the Lord one day and give an account for the work that we've done in this body he'll either he'll either say well done and he's gonna say that but he's gonna like either your works Will be will be purified like gold, or, or I'm gonna burn that. I'm gonna burn that ministry that you had up. It had nothing to do. I was glorifying yourself. I saved you, yeah, but that ministry was all about you. And we're gonna face God that one day. That day, it, it's, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So you have this historic premillennial premillennialism view. Let's go to the next page. Let's go to the next page. Amillennialism. This is this is a good one. Amillennialism. They believe that the millennium is already happening right now. They believe that there's already a millennial reign right now. That the way Christ is ruling is that we are the ones ruling because we have Christ in our heart right here and now. Remember they tell you that the kingdom of God has come and there's only two different ages? There's some views on this one that I agree with. 
And there's some other views on other points that I disagree with. Because they believe that the kingdom is now. Let's go and read this here. It's the belief that the millennial kingdom is interdetermined in length and fulfilled by Christ currently ruling in heaven. Because Christ rules in heaven and that we are here because we have the Holy Spirit that the millennial kingdom is actually now. At the end of this reign, Christ will come back to gather the church and judge the nations. That's their belief. I have a hard time believing we're living in the millennial kingdom. I have a hard time believing that. I really believe things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I really don't think it's going to get any better, but I really believe it's going to get worse and worse. I still believe that there's going to be a rise of an antichrist. There's going to be some a false prophet that's going to deceive people. There's going to do all. I believe this is going to happen. I believe the church is going to go under serious persecution. Now, it's already happening overseas. Just read up on the, on the church in China. Read up on the people in Iraq and the believers in, uh, in the Arab world. I was teaching Bible study, and I was talking about my brother vocab. I was telling you know what? I was going to ask him, I said, what happens when a Muslim gets converted in the Arab world? What happens? What happens to them? They get killed. That's what happens to them. They don't get to run around and go to the malls and hang out and say, I'm a Christian. Let me talk to you about Jesus. They're going to get killed. And it still happens. It still happens. Let's go to the, some of the finer points that they believe here, that they believe, our millennialists believe. Here it says, some of the following features of amillennialism. The church age is the kingdom era prophesied in the Old Testament as the New Testament church takes the role once assigned to Israel. Okay, once assigned to Israel. Let's go to the very bottom of that. The eternal destiny of the redeemed may be either in heaven or in a totally renovated new earth. So they believe that the millennial kingdom is now. That a lot of stuff has already been fulfilled. A lot of the, uh, the, the man of lawlessness and this one who's going to sit in the temple possibly was narrow. Uh, so they, they believe that, that this already happened. So we're kind of living in this millennial kingdom here so that Christ could return at any time uh, to, to reclaim his church and to redeem the earth. Let's go to the final view. The final view, and I'm going to end with this one. Is the belief, is post-millennialism, is the belief that Christ's second coming will follow the millennium. Meaning there's going to be a millennial reign, but then he will come after the millennial reign, which will itself be ushered in by the spiritual and moral influence of Christian preaching and teaching in the world. The following are features of post-millennialism. I'm going to give you two. It says here, the messianic kingdom was founded on earth during the earthly ministry of Christ in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and making the New Testament church the transformed Israel. Meaning this now, which we are new Israel, we believe that, but us being the church, this is the millennial kingdom that we're living in now. I don't hold to that view. Although one of the guys that we had come here minister, he's an amillennialist. He, he believes this, which is fine. We can disagree on some of this stuff. It's just as long as we agree on those three points, that's really all that matters. But this is good stuff for you to read. This is good stuff for you to know. Because you as a Christian should know. Somebody, you might have someone go up to you and say, what do you believe? You believe in post-millennialism or pre-millennialism? You're going to be like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Are you are you uh, Armenian belief or do you, or do you believe Cal Calvinistic beliefs? What, which one are you? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what were they teaching you at church? You as a Christian should get this. You as a believer should know this stuff to give an account. You should know what this stuff means. It's not good just to be, I just love Jesus. I don't care. I, I love Jesus. That's all I care about. No, that's not all you care about. Because what you do is you care about other things rather than understanding what you need to know about the word of God. You need to have an understanding of these views of the end time. You need to have one of these views. It's okay. You can pick one and which one sounds good to you. Or you can listen and read and study and understand 
what view probably fits best on what's really happening right now in this world. And so I know the Lord is coming back. I know the Lord is about to redeem his people. I know this is happening. I know this. Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. I want you to hold on to that. And for the next 10 minutes, we're going to go through the Bible. We're going to go through the Bible. I told you about the enemy being bound for a thousand years. This great chain, it's a symbolic meaning, some great chain thrown in the bottomless pit. He's chained up. The enemy, the, the devil cannot deceive the nations any longer. Let's go to verse 4, 20 and verse 4. Then it says, Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Now, we have been promised that we will once rule and reign with Christ. I, I think, I rejoice because we get to rule and reign with the Lord. And it says this, also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. These are the people of God that rejected to bow to Caesar. Back then, they reject to bow to the world idols today. They reject, to, re reject bowing to whatever wants self-worship. They reject this and it cost them their life. Back then, when we were reading this book of Revelation, it was Rome. It was the word is a uh, Caesar Kyrios, meaning Caesar Kyrios, meaning bow to Caesar. You shall worship Caesar. The Christians there said, I'm not going to say Caesar Kyrios and bow to Caesar. That's not going to happen. Well, guess what? Then you die. Then you die. If you don't bow to Caesar, if you don't come and burn this thing, we go to your house and make you go burn this incense or whatever it is and say Caesar Kyrios. If you don't do it, then you die. Could you imagine that happening today? Not in America, not in the Western culture. We're too comfortable. That won't happen to us here. But it happens overseas. It happens overseas. But we won't bow. And these are the people that did not bow to the idols. They worshiped the one true God. They worshiped our triune God. They worshiped him. And they were killed for it. And they, these are the ones that died in Christ. You know, you, you have people today who are serving the Lord, love the Lord, get cancer, then die and be with Jesus. They're serving the Lord. They're in his glory at this very moment. Friends and family that have served the Lord all their life. Worship God, came to church, understand what the church was about, grew in the things of God, died in a car accident, and are now with Jesus. You know, none of us know the day or the hour or the time of how we're going to go, but it don't matter how I'm going to go. It don't matter because I know where I will be for all of eternity. And that's why we come and have church. We proclaim this and say, thank you, Jesus. And the only scary thing about you think about you dying one day is how is it going to happen? That's the only thing you worry about. Like, how is it going to happen? But it don't matter. Rest assured that all of us are going to die one day. All of us. But it don't matter. We don't have to fear death. Just like these early Christians here. They didn't fear death. That's what this Bible was written for. This book of Revelation was written for. So that they would not fear dying. Because we win in the end. No matter the suffering that you go through. No matter the crisis that you face. That you win in the end. That Christ gets the victory. And that we get to rule and reign with him. Go back to verse 6. That's 26. It says this. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. That's what I'm telling you about. The first resurrection. We're, the, we're part of the first resurrection, not the second resurrection. You want to be a part of the first resurrection. I went to a, a, a teaching. I, went to, I did ministry when I was rapping. I did ministry out in Idaho, Boise, Idaho. And it felt like I was going back in time in Boise, Idaho. And when I was there, this one preacher, he was preaching. And he said, he goes, you know what? He goes, live once and you die twice. Die twice and you live once. And he told me that. I was like, what are you talking about? And I had to figure it out. And I understood that if you live once, you live for yourself, you live for yourself, and you don't live for Christ, then you die twice. Not only do you die a physical death, but you die a second time in the second resurrection when you get raised up 
Raised up to meet your soul. It's burning in torment right now. Raised up, your body goes back to your soul just to face God at the great white throne judgment to be cast back into the lake of fire. In the lake of fire. No one's there now, but they are in hell. They're in a place called Hades. That's where they are now. People who've died Christless. Yeah, I'm talking about some friends and family that you know that died Christless. They don't have Jesus. And we don't know where they are. We can, we can understand the scripture and say, you know, according to the Bible, I can probably think and locate where they may be. But we are part of the first resurrection. That when we die, the, time, the next time that God raises our body to meet our soul is that we will then be glorified and look just like Jesus' body. Let's continue. Let's go to verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from prison and will come out to deceive the nations at, that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. And the number is like the sand of the sea, meaning that this, this, this belief that Satan will be bound, Satan is certainly bound. There's certain things he can and cannot do, especially with us right now. There's certain things that he cannot do. We have the power over the enemy. We have the word of God. We can speak the word of God. We can preach the word of God. We can teach the word of God. And the, the enemy has to flee from us. Scripture teaches that submit to God, resist the devil, and that he will flee from you. So we know that the enemy is limited by what he can do. But the enemy is out there destroying people and causing all kind of falls and causing all kind of distractions from Christians who don't understand the power that they have, their identity in Christ and who you are and the power that God has given you. You are some powerful people. There are some powerful men and women of God in here that know the word of God, that study the word of God, that don't just scratch the surface with it, but go deep and understand the things of God. That's what you want to be, someone who is Fired up for the things of God. The word of God is pouring out of you. Okay, verse 11. Then we're going to end, this with, end with this one. I'm going to read the bottom of it. Just so you know, I'm going to read from the top to 14. Then we're going to end with this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From the presence of earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were open. Okay, it's great and small, powerful people, rich people. Also the poor people, people in big stature and small people. All people were standing before this great white throne judgment who then, who then left Hades and are standing before God, have got their body back, standing before God with this physical body, wherever it is, and standing before God, and God is ready to cast judgment on them. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life which is where your name has been written. As we teach you in scripture, you know that your name was already written there before the foundation of the world? God already knew you before you were even born. God already knew what was going to happen. He knew how he was going to save you. As Ephesians 1-4 through 4 teaches you how you got saved. How did you get saved? You remember when you got saved? God had a plan that leading up to that time when you were going to get saved. You did all your ripping and running. You did everything you were doing out there. And then one day you fell on your face and realized who you were and realized who he was and what he did for you. You escaped this second resurrection. You are a part of the first resurrection. And now your name is written in the book of life. There are people that you can see today. There are people that are outside, that are out there. Their name is not written in the book of life. We need to preach. We need to proclaim the gospel to our loved ones and tell them the truth because there's a day of judgment coming. The day of judgment that you all escape. Because God's been propitiated, he's been satisfied, his wrath has been removed, and he placed it on his son to suffer and die for your sins. Verse 14, well, verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. There were people who died in the sea, and guess what? 
They were raised up out of the sea. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. There are people there now. Guess what? They're going to leave for just a brief reprieve. Imagine leaving death and Hades and just and to face God. I don't know what's scarier, being in death and Hades or having to face God. But they faced God. And in them they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Be careful. Don't think that God ain't looking. When you're doing some stuff secretly, don't think God ain't going to judge you for it. Don't think you can escape the judgment of God. You're doing things now in secret that only God knows. And you think you're going to get away with it, but you won't get away with it because God sees all things. Remember, the Bible says Jesus' eyes are like a flame of fire, meaning that he sees all things. That's symbolic meaning he sees everything. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's this lake of fire that's empty right now. That there'll be lives thrown in this lake of fire. It's God's judgment before the great white throne. And there's these viewpoints I want you to study. I want you to read it. And I want us to talk about it. You can ask questions. That's why I love Wednesday nights. If you come on Wednesday nights and you want to talk and ask questions, those are the time. That's really the time to come. And let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about what you are being taught. Don't just take my word for it. Like I always say, go back and study it for yourself. Read it for yourself. And let's talk about the things of God. You as believers need to be strengthened in his word. You need to be educated in the things of God. If you're not educated in the things of God, then I'm as your pastor not doing the job I'm supposed to be doing. So let us pray and we'll close out.